630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, so the Oilers have beaten the Canadians 4-3 in overtime. Cahoon got the game winner, his ninth of the season. First ever in his career in overtime, 27 seconds into the extra session. It was Cahoon, Dreisaitl, and Barry to start the overtime instead of McDavid. Dreisaitl and Nurse that we've seen throughout most of the most of the season. Dreisaitl got his 31st, came on the power play. RNH got his 16th, came on the power play. Alex Chason got his ninth. You're going to hear from him in a couple of minutes. Also in the NHL this evening, it is the Senators leading the Maple Leafs one nothing early in the second period. Zaitsev with his fourth of the year. Games about to get underway. Vegas is at San Jose, the Kings visiting the Avalanche, and the Wild take on the St. Louis Blues as we're into the final week of the NHL schedule. This was supposed to be playoff night starting tonight. Instead, we're still finishing out games that were postponed, mostly because of COVID. I guess there were a couple weather issues early in the year as well. So the the Flames and Canucks are going to be playing three games in four days starting Sunday. The playoffs are going to start Saturday with the Bruins and the Capitals. No other playoff games have been announced. I'm not sure when they're going to be. I get asked that a lot, but it definitely sounds like that you will not see the Oilers in a playoff game until Wednesday or Thursday, game one against Winnipeg. They'll alternate nights with the the Jets and the Leafs. So that's what I can tell you there. Oilers play the Canucks on Saturday afternoon, 1.30 puck drop at Rogers Place. Kind of a funky time for a game. Our face-off show is going to start at noon. Reed Wilkins with you. Thanks a lot for tuning in. We are uh, giving you the hotline for certain teed professional-grade building materials. That's 780-496-0063. That's also the number to text if you use text messaging, which I hear from the kids is becoming quite a fad that might stick around. You can get me on Twitter, at Reed Wilkins, R-E-I-D-W-I-L-K-I-N-S. You can email Inside Sports at 630Chat. Got actually got a very kind email from a gentleman Last night, I believe I uh, shared this with you, Kellen. You and did. I had it ready to go, and now I've uh, now I've lost it. It I'm, was I, from. I'll just give the first name. Yeah, Lionel. Uh, well, Lionel yeah. uh, wrote in that he enjoys name the animal, meaning right that we aren't alone. We've always assumed that we were the only ones who enjoy doing it because we get to participate. So, Lionel, thank, thank you, you for enjoying name the animal. Or that really made our evening. It did. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it did. It put a smile on my face. What can I say? So there we go. All right. Tell you what, uh, the Oilers win, I'm sure, made a lot of people smile this afternoon. Let's hear from Alex Jason. Hey, Alex, I just wonder, um, the season's drawing to a close, and you've been playing on a line here for a few games that's putting some really good games together. The head coach seems to like the look and feel of it. Um, you know, in a season where it's been on and off taxi spot and in and out of for a lot of guys, how, how good does it feel to have something click um, late in the year like it seems to be for you? Yeah, I, I think uh, I, I, I feel like the last two years I've, I've always, uh, me and Neiler have always played well together. Uh, we understand the game. We understand how each other play. Uh, we know where to go when, um, you know, depending on where the puck is in the offensive zone. Uh, and then adding uh, McLeod in the middle, he's a, he's a young kid with a tremendous amount of talent. Um, he plays a really mature game for a guy that doesn't have a lot of experience in this league. Um, so 
you know, I, I think for us, we're, we're just trying to, to use the last couple of games here to uh, kind of figure out uh, how we can play, how we can be uh, effective as a line. Um, and I think for Clouder, I, I, I don't really say much to him. Uh, I, I think he, he understands the game well. He's a guy that carries the puck really well in the neutral zone. And um, he's figuring things out pretty fast. So he's going to be a, a really good player in this league for, for a long time. So you're playing down the stretch here, and your playoff spot's been locked up for a little bit, but there doesn't seem to be a dip. I mean, there's some ups and downs in your, you guys play overall, but you're still getting results for your head coach. You're making, you're making it pretty easy on him down the stretch. You're not top. be worried about you. What's it say about your team that's in this, you know, time that doesn't mean as much? You're still finding a high enough level to be winning this many games. Yeah, I, I think... Uh... I think as a group, we've we've uh, identified that we, we've talked about using the last 12 to 14 games to build our game and uh, feeling good about ourselves. And obviously, going the last uh, three or four games of the year, um, you know, it, it's uh, for us. I think, um, I guess for me personally, for a guy that's been around, you uh, you don't want to kind of ease your your way into the games. Uh, you don't want to create uh, any bad habits and. Uh, there's nothing better than feeling good about your game going into game one in the first in the first round. So uh, we've done a great job at, as a team. We, we've talked about it before games and uh, our practices have been sharp. So um, I like where our team's at right now. Hi, Alex. Uh, Ryan asked a little bit about your line, which I was going to do, but I'm just, I guess, a little bit curious as to how you've you've played with, with these guys for the last four games, and in particular, Ryan McLeod, how you felt his game has grown uh, with you and James over the last, uh, you know, four games uh, as he kind of makes his mark here in the NHL. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, I, I think for Clowder, uh, the, the, the one thing, like I said, I don't really talk to him too much. I let him do his game. Uh, he's figuring things out. He's, he's got a, a great hockey sense. Um, I try to remind him that, you know, he needs to demand the puck coming out of the defensive zone, out of the uh, neutral zone. Uh, he's shown that so far since he's been here. He can he can carry the play up and uh, up down the ice. So uh, seems like we've we've kind of found ourselves here and um, we got one more game here to, to keep building and preparing for, for next week. So you've had the opportunity, uh, especially you and James in the past, uh, to play with, with a guy like Jujar Kara, makes it a pretty heavy line. The cloud's a little bit different. He's, he's quicker, he's younger, everything, right? How, how do you, do you have to make any type of adjustment or how, how do you kind of uh, play with a guy like McLeod compared maybe with a guy like uh, Jujar Kara? Well, I think for, for, for us, uh, you know, our job, Neeler and I are on the line is, is, is to retrieve bucks and be good around the net. Uh, create second and third opportunities and we want him to come and grab those pucks out of the corner um, a little bit like what Connor and Leon you know they uh, they come and they grab the puck and they, they, they create uh, plays off the cycle and um, I guess that's what I was kind of talking about earlier is you know I, we want him to, to come and grab those pucks and make plays and uh, he skates really well he's got a great vision uh, he, he fills the play area around really well um, so, um, like I said, I, I think he's got all the tools to, to, to be a guy that um, is a key player for this team. 
Post-game thoughts from Alex Chason as the Oilers get a 4-3 overtime win over the half. So the season series is done. Three of the games went to overtime, and the total wins in the series, five for the Canadians and four for the Oilers. All right, we got to call a quick timeout. We'll keep talking Oilers, and we'll have some fun with Ken Reed when we get back. Okay, so the Oilers win 4-3 in overtime. The uh, Leafs have eaten, even it up with Ottawa. It's 1-1, 12 and a half left in the second period. Blue Jays leading Atlanta 2-1. That is in the middle of the seventh. Appreciate you tuning in tonight. Uh, you know, I got to tell you, sometimes people ask me, hey, hey, Reed, how do you get people on your show? How do you book guests for your show? Well, look, when the it's like any other job. The more you do something, the more people you know, the more contacts you have, the more relationships you build up, and that always helps. For example, with this next guest coming up, I, I hadn't talked to him for a while. He has been on the show several times in the past, but I haven't talked to him in a while, and I texted him, and I said, hey, man, how are you doing? And he wrote back right away and said, hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for checking in. And I said, uh, hey, you know, is, is, is there might be a window for you to hop on my talk show with me tonight? And uh, he wrote back and said, uh, sorry, who is this? I don't have this number. And I wrote back and said, uh, Reed Wilkins. And he wrote back, said, uh, not sure who that is, but if you have a talk show, I'll come on. And I'm pleased to welcome Ken Reed from Sportsnet onto the show. Hey, Ken, how are you doing? <laughs> Not true. Not true, buddy. I said I'll do it tonight. I said I do highlights for a living, so I obviously don't do anything until the show comes on. So I got tons of time, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well. And yes, I did I did fudge that story uh, a, a little bit. Of course, you immediately replied. And you do have my name in your phone, and it's probably even spelled correctly yes, because my, yes, it is. my name is the same as your last name. You're going to like this. Dave Campbell, who you know well also, yep. the producer of the show, typed up the lineup for me. This is what he put for your title. I want to know how you feel yep. about this. Ken Reed, anchor on Sportsnet Central, author, and hockey card guru. I mean, you've achieved a lot in your life to have those three titles. That's pretty cool. I got a brand, man. All the all the young nerds and millennials tell me you got to brand yourself. So that's what, that's what it's all about, apparently. So I got a brand, you know. Anchor, author, card collector, Pucks and deep connoisseur, whatever it takes. Now, is that accurate for your hockey card prowess? Are you, are you comfortable with guru, or do we need to update yeah, that? Yeah, I, I think I'm a guru. Yeah, sure. I get lots of people ask me questions. You know, what's this worth? What's that worth? What's this from? Does this guy have a card? What's this set? Yeah, I, I'll go with guru. Sure, why not? How many cards do you have again, Ken? Too many. Uh, I got, <laughs> I would say, uh, in my collections, probably... Probably in the 60,000 range now, baseball and hockey, and uh, wow. ever expanding, ever expanding. I, uh, to me, they're little, their connection to the game, their connection to my childhood, and their little pieces of hockey history. And yeah, it's nerdy, but uh, everyone's got their little nerdy side. So I'm, I'm not afraid to talk about mine. No, I love it. I think that's great. Now, are they all older cards from earlier in your life, or do you still buy new cards oh, and yeah. add them in? Uh, they're pretty much all older. Uh, the new stuff, my son buys that now, or I'll buy him a pack. Uh, I'm, I'm not into the new stuff. I'm into the old stuff. But, I mean, the new stuff is, man, it's so, it's so sharp. And it's crazy in this pandemic how cards have totally taken off. They're the most popular they've been since 1990 when everybody was hoarding their Scott Allison score rookies. So uh, I can say that because Scott's a buddy of mine. He lives out east now. But, yeah, uh, I mostly collect the older stuff, but the new stuff is super, super sharp, super sharp. Yeah, 
I got to ask you a couple questions about that because I have a friend uh, here in town, one of my best okay. friends. You may know him, Courtney Terrio, works over at City TV. Okay. And he's he's a big hockey card guy. He doesn't have as many as you do, but he's been coming up with storage solutions. So are you a binder or box guy? What do you have the cards in? Bit of both. Uh, if you got 60,000, there's too many to have in binders. So I got tons in uh, in boxes, 3,200-count boxes, 800-count boxes. Uh I just got a bunch of cards that I put in a binder for my son. Um, you know, like guys like Jacques Plant, Glenn Hall, Cordy Howe. Uh, my son's a goalie. Uh, he's eight, so it's a great way for him to learn the history of the game. Uh, so he enjoys looking at that, asking me questions. He's big into baseball now, too, so he has some baseball cards in his room. He asks me questions about that. But most of my stuff's in boxes. Uh, the stuff that's really valuable are in the uh, single card holders. And uh, there's some stuff in binders as well. But, uh, yeah, I just kind of bit of everything. Which card for you, this might be a tough one if you have over 50,000, but I'm all about asking the difficult questions, Ken. Which yeah, sure. card for you Which card for you has the most sentimental value? My Gretzky rookie, uh, without a doubt. Uh, I was a Wayne guy as a kid. Uh, it was a card my mom bought a box uh, when I was around 13 years old, a box of old cards that uh, we knew was the, they're from 1979, the Gretzky rookie year. My brother and I opened them up. We found a Gretzky rookie. We hug. We fought. We hugged. We we share it. So to me, it's uh, it's got the sentimental value because it's from my mom, who's nobody's been a bigger supporter of me in my career, my card collecting than my mom. It connects me with my brother, and it connects me with my all-time favorite player, Wayne Gretzky. So that is my by far, by far my my favorite hockey card, and I'm sure that and goes up for a ton of your listeners in Edmonton as well. And that must be your most valuable card, or is there one I'm missing? Uh, it's one of my most valuable. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not in the best condition, so it's all about condition, but, um, yeah, it's one of my most valuable ones. Yes. But I don't think it's the most valuable, but one out for sure. All right. So if, do you let people, so if, if somebody were to show up, like, let's say some mm-hmm. kid from Alberta came out when we can travel yeah. a little more easily and, and showed up yeah. on your doorstep and he's like, Hey buddy, I want to see your collection. Would would yeah. I would would I be able to? Sorry, that person be able to like? Yeah. Would you let him finger through the cards and look at stuff, or you'd be like, eh, maybe don't touch too many of them. You, I would, but if a stranger showed up, be word. But I'll tell you a story. In about 1990, I want to say, I think it was in grade 10 or 11, uh, the local newspaper back in Pictou County, Nova Scotia, did a story on the collection my brother and I had. We were well-known collectors in Pictou County, so. And he finished the story with, but the best way to see the Reed Brothers collection is to see it in person. That night, we get a knock on the door, and it's just this guy we never knew. I want to say his name was Harry Brooks. For some reason, that he was older. He was, like, in his 50s. So for a kid 16 and 13, he might as well have been 109. And being, you know, the rural Nova Scotia folks we were, sure, come on in. He came up into our bedroom. Now, keep in mind, parents were there. And he just looked at all the cards with us. So, yeah, if, if you showed up, sure, Reed, I'd, li- I'd let you look. But if a random stranger showed up in 2021, I probably wouldn't let them in the house. <laughs> That's but, yeah, you never I, told I, me that I, before. I, no, a guy randomly showed up at my house. And I, I'll never forget that. And, uh, yeah, he came up and checked out our collection. Yeah, that's a true story. And you yeah. never heard from him again? Like, he wasn't – I mean, that's, I to me, that's I, a little strange, but – Yeah, I think I might have saw him at the flea markets and stuff like that because, you know, my brother and I would set up at flea markets and card shows and sell. So, 
You know, we, we never stayed in contact, but I do remember him showing up at my house. So, yes, people, at least one human being has knocked on my door and asked to see my card collection. But it hasn't happened this century. But you never know. That is a, but, but I'm yeah, happy to show it Century's still young. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, if people come visit at the house. Like, you know, I got some stuff set up in the basement. So, you know, it's, it's a great way to start a conversation piece, right? Everybody has stuff in their man cave, so I just have a few more cards than than the normal folks but uh yeah they're they're great conversation starters and it's funny too because um cards are kind of it's one of those things that adults don't admit but now people kind of readily admit it and if you say hockey cards to anybody 40 and up they have a story so oh, yeah. uh I, and i'm glad to see that kids are getting into it now right with the tim hortons cards like a packs a buck so that's cool so i i love it it's like it's all good with me so i openly speak about it i'm not afraid no, and I and I think you should. I, I think it's uh, I, I think it's great. So yeah. let me ask you this though. So you have fifty to sixty thousand cards. What's yeah. the largest collection you've ever encountered besides your own? Then. Okay, I have a friend of mine. Uh, he called me the other how about I guess he called me six months ago, and he said I just bought a collection off a guy. I said, Oh yeah. He goes, I got to get a U-Haul truck. And I said, Wow, how many? He goes, Eight hundred thousand cards. He goes mostly what? baseball from mostly baseball from the '80s and '90s. And I just said, "Well, when you're going through them, send me the expos." And he literally mailed me a 3,200 count box of just expos. Um, so there are people out there whose collections totally slam dunk mine. Um, there are people whose homes are stuffed with them. I have a very understanding wife, so we have a linen closet that's full of cards. But there are people out there with just hordes and hordes and thousands and thousands and thousands of these things so yeah my buddy bought a collection of 800,000 and uh he's got a lot more than that so, and he's he's got an understanding wife too oh my goodness that that's, that's all aw- that is uh that is awesome well i i, I had no idea what we're gonna yeah i had no idea what we're gonna talk about i just like having you on the show so that there's well, where cool. we went we went with the hockey card stuff yeah, uh, of description. Yeah, Dave, we got to thank Dave Campbell for that. Before I let Dave. you go, and we're in the last couple of minutes. I mean, you used to work here. You know what the passion for the Oilers is like. You know how tough yeah. that decade out of the playoffs was. What's it been like just for you following the team? You get to do the highlights, seeing McDavid rack up all these points. Yeah, I, I kind of said it to Ivanka on the air the other night. With McDavid, it's not that I take it for granted, but I almost expect like a crazy you know, excellent play every night. Like, he gets two, three points, you're you're going, okay, that was a quiet three points. He does stuff that that other players don't do. Like, he's the, he's kind of, like, he he just does stuff that we take for granted. He got a goal the other night. Uh, Jeez, I forget who it was about, but he kind of passed the puck. He put the brakes on. He had to get it on on the wall, on the boards by the, by the blue line and he just took five little choppy quick start strides and he was gone. Like, he, just, he's just doing stuff that that we don't see, and uh, it's it's amazing to watch. I think we just said uh, tonight we were just talking. He averaged 1.82 point games per year per per game this year. I think if that puts him at 19 on the all-time list. Like th- there's stuff he's doing that we shouldn't take for granted. And I remember when I was a kid watching Gretzky, and you know, guys, you know, if you're a kid and you're 11 years old and you don't like the Edmonton Oilers and you like the the Leafs should say, oh, Gretzky sucks. And I like the Habs, but I'd say, no, 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 no. He does not. And I knew I'm watching something special. And I feel the same way about McDavid. It's, it's generational. It's special. 
Yeah. What time are you on tonight? Up out of the Blue Jays game. Uh, I think it's about the seventh or eighth inning, so I should get dressed, right? Get all suited up, buddy. Got to look good. Ken, you're the best. Thanks for hopping on. Let's do this during the playoffs. It'll be fun to chat again. Would love to, Reed. Would love to. I'm just sitting around, buddy. Give me a shout anytime. And, and, and thank Dave for the killer description. That is Ken Reed, anchor, Sportsnet Central, author, and hockey card guru. And he is always welcome on this show. The Oilers win 4-3 in overtime. You can get in touch, 780-496-0063. A couple of people texting in about hockey cards after hearing Ken describe his collection. We got John Garrett coming up. Time magic from Dominic Cahoon and Cam Moon. Oilers win in Montreal 4-3. So the Oilers now 35-18-2 on the season. They have one game left. It's Saturday against the Canucks. The Canadians record 24-21-11. Their regular season is finished. On the ice right now, late second period, Senators lead the Maple Leafs 3-1. Late in the first, Golden Knights up 2-0 on the Sharks. Kings and Avs are scoreless. And late in the first period, St. Louis with a one nothing lead on Mini Barbashev with the goal there. The Blue Jays up 2-1 on the Braves. That's in the bottom of the eighth. So but before we get to our, our uh, next guest here, I just want to recap that story Ken Reed told, who is uh, a great storyteller and a great broadcaster. And he's, you're going to see him on Sportsnet Central after the Jays game. So he, he, he currently has a hockey card collection somewhere between 50 and 60,000 cards. And just to just to go over this story again, and I want our next guest to hear it because he'll probably get a kick out of it. And he's a great storyteller himself. So when Ken and his brother were kids, they were 16 and 13. They're growing up in Nova Scotia and they were already building a large hockey card collection. And the local news does a story on them. And at the end of the story, the reporter says the best way to truly appreciate the collection is to see it in person. One viewer takes that literally and shows up at their house that evening and says, hey, kids, can I see your collection? And they go up to the the bedrooms. Now the parents were there, and he looks at his collections. So as we bring John Garrett onto the show, now an analyst for the Canucks games on Sportsnet and former NHL goaltender. I don't know, John, were you ever that popular as an NHL goaltender? You had fans showing up at your house? (laughs) No, but uh, speaking of hockey cards, I, and because I did play for a bunch of teams and a bunch of leagues, uh, I have a bunch of hockey cards. But one of them has, and I know Ken has a copy of it. Uh, my last year that I played was 85-86. Uh, Harry Neal was the GM in 84-85. So I'm going into the last year of my playing contract, and I can see the writing on the wall, and so can Harry, and... Harry is the GM by himself, and Harry and I had a history together, uh, Minnesota Fighting Saints, and I, I'd known Harry for a long time. And uh, He came to me and he said, uh, John, you know, I'm the general manager by myself. Everybody's got an assistant general manager. I know you want to stay involved in the game. How about 
uh, I'll make you my assistant and we'll rearrange your playing contract so that it, it's adjusted to being the assistant general manager. So uh, we agreed to that and he did preface it by saying if I'm the general manager next year <laughs> because uh, he, he knew that he was on pretty thin ice. So we agreed to it and uh, then the hockey cart people picked up on it but Harry got fired before I could become the assistant general manager. So I have my playing outfit on with a backup towel and stuff, and I'm in my goalie equipment. And it says, John Garrett, Vancouver Canucks, now assistant general manager. And it's on the front of the card. So there you go. I did not know that. I'm going to Google it right now to see if I can get that, uh, oh, that sure. image. You should be able to get it, yeah. Because, I mean, I, I collected a little bit when I was a kid, and it would have been around that era. Um, <laughs> but I remember a lot of times when a guy would get traded, so it might be somebody in a Buffalo uniform, and it would say now with Jets or whoever. But yeah. I never I, oh, yeah. I never saw your assistant general manager card. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, there I, it is. I have a couple of the, yeah. There you go. Uh, oh, I know. Well, he should have got you in a suit and tie or something. <laughs> Now, since it's your manager, yeah. It, well, it's even better with the with the goalie equipment on because I never was the assistant general manager. And <laughs> there, there I was. I, I get a kick oh. out of it every time I see it. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Oh, and I'm glad you brought up Harry Neal as well because I, I finally got to interview Harry earlier this season. I, I'd never yeah. talked to him before because kind of through my position here at Ched, he'd already moved on from Hockey Night in Canada and, and being on air a lot. So I, yeah. I asked John Shannon and I said, look, do you think Harry Neal would come on my show? He's like, well, probably. You got to give him a call and make sure we're doing it. So he gave me Harry Neal's phone number and I called him the day before and, you know, I got to introduce myself and you're hoping he's not like, I don't know who you are, like leave me alone. But he was, he was really nice. And he has all those one-liners all the time. So at, at the and I don't know what he was like when he was a GM and a coach, but as a broadcaster, he was very sort of sublime and had all these one-liners. So at the end of the yeah. conversation, he goes, he said, uh, so I'll talk to you at that time, give me a call, and if I don't answer, call the morgue. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I know. I know, yeah, yeah. If you can't get a hold of me, don't pay the ransom. That was another one. <laughs> now, were you, but you were still... You weren't with the Canucks when he got replaced by Nielsen because he got suspended for punching the fan, right? Yes, I was. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't with him then, but I came the next year. Harry was the right. GM, and he, he brought me in uh, the next year. Um, so they had their 82. They had their run to the Stanley Cup Finals, and I came the next year. Okay. And Harry was the GM and Roger was the coach. I, I played for Roger in junior, so uh, it was uh, nice to come to the Canucks and have Harry as the GM and Roger as the coach. And Roger and I went back to, you know, 20 years before playing junior. So it, it was fun to come to Vancouver. And uh, Richard Brodeur had taken them to the finals the year before, so I got to be the backup. And Richard and I got along very well. We were the same era. We played in the WHA against each other for years. and uh, So it, it was fun. Yeah, for sure. John Garrett joining us tonight at Inside Sports uh, with some memories of hockey carts and, and Harry Neal. And we'll shift to the current events, which is still several games to play 
for the Vancouver Canucks that uh, are not going to have much impact. Well, they won't have any impact on playoff positioning. I guess they could impact the final settings. I mean, John, what's it? And as a guy who played and, and you had some teams that would have been playing out the string, you would have had some other teams getting ready for the playoffs. Like, what do you think they're going through now after all the COVID stuff and still another week of games while everybody else is getting ready for the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. But every player, and you've been around the game long enough to know that once you put on the blades and you talk, you got to play it, you might as well win it. And that's the attitude. The veteran players who have contracts and have security you go out there, you play to win. And you do have games like the Canucks had last night in Winnipeg where uh, the other team is, is really struggling and they're playing hard because they want to finish at least in third. And they, they want to make sure that uh, that happens. And the Jets just uh, showed way more determination than the Canucks. So, but if you get off to a decent start, you score a couple of, goalie, couple of goals and your goalie is very good, then you got a chance, and, and everybody picks up on it, and you, you play to win. I, I don't think there's any doubt in anybody's mind. that and, and fans say, well, why don't you tank, and it'll increase your odds of getting a better draft pick and all that. Nobody tanks. Uh, the management once in a while, uh, uh, like Buffalo a few years ago, the McDavid year, uh, they traded their number one goalie at the trade deadline. So the, the other players are going to try, but all of a sudden you don't have a goalie. So Buffalo right. was trying to tank. There was no doubt about that. But the players are, are going to play hard. Uh, but the Canucks have uh, so many players who are either RFAs at the end or UFAs, and you look at Grayback and um, the guy Jimmy Vesey and uh, all those guys who are on the third and fourth line who are playing for jobs, uh, who are auditioning in these last five and six games. Uh, and Calgary, I'm sure, will have the same situation where they'll got six or seven guys who are either RFAs or UFAs at the end of the year. Uh, they have something to show and, and play hard and at least show the coaches that, yeah, you could fit in next season. And uh, I think that's the only reason. It, it's tough, and especially with both teams. Okay, the Canucks play the Oilers one more game, but it's – of their five games, four against the Flames. And that's all the Flames have left. There are the four meaningless games against the Canucks. So it's, uh, you play for pride and uh, you keep going, but uh, it's tough. You're looking at it, how many periods of hockey do you have left? Yeah. <laughs> that's what well, you, you say. Hey, you're going to try as hard as you can, but uh, you're counting down and saying, okay, how, many, how much do we have left? Okay, we're done next Wednesday. Thank God. And I, I think this season in particular, and you look at uh, the world championships and the number of players who have already said no, they don't want to go uh, just because they've been quarantined and they've been bottled up and uh, it's going to be a short summer anyway and uh, you're not going to make the playoffs, but really you're playing into playoff time. So uh, I think that the players have had enough and uh, it's a chance for guys who were playing in the American League or borderline guys to go over and play in the World Championships and get some experience. But uh, the guys who are have gone through the grind and gone through the COVID, and, uh, the Canucks in particular, uh, they just want this season to end. 
John Garrett joining us in Inside Sports. John, I want to ask you a question about playoff goaltending, and I'll frame it this way because we, we often discuss, and as you know, I, I work with Rob Brown for all the Oilers games, and you know we're talking about the playoffs a lot, and okay, it's it's the game changes, it's tighter checking, everybody's committed. Sometimes the refs don't call as many penalties. There might be fewer goals, and some players over the course of their careers have just been referred to as playoff play like ryan o'reilly right like his game just suits the playoffs not that he isn't good in the regular season what what about like playoff goaltending is this is playoff goaltending different i mean you still got to go up there and, and stop the pucks i'm just wondering from that perspective like does, does anything about the game change for a goaltender in the postseason oh the pressure uh, and to me uh, there's goalies who uh, handle the pressure uh, better and can handle it for a longer time. And I think that's the difference between the guys, the elite goaltenders, and uh, Marc-Andre Fleury, Patrick Waugh, Marty Brodeur, uh, Eddie Belfour, uh, guys that don't just win one round of the playoffs, and then the pressure gets them, and uh, they, oh, they're too tired or whatever. No, no, it, it's... Uh, to me, Freddie Anderson is a perfect example of a goalie who uh, has a great regular season, and you look at the Leafs, the points they've amassed in the last few years, and they can't win a playoff round. And uh, I think a lot of it has to do with Freddie Anderson. Just uh, he, He's great during the regular season, and then you, you get in the playoffs, and uh, that's that added pressure. And every game, uh, you don't have the 82 games. You don't get on a run and uh, you're playing a bad team and you can go out and you just be ordinary. You're playing the same team night after night. And the other team has the scouting and uh, they think they know your weaknesses. And Pecorini, to me, is another one who, uh, okay, the great goaltender during the regular season, but how many playoff series has he won? It's, that's uh, uh, Curtis Joseph was one of the best goalies that I had seen and he could steal I remember doing a, a it was an Oiler Colorado series one year yeah and he absolutely stole that series I mean he was incredible but then the next series he, he was back to he, he wasn't that great and uh, he, he's a, a goalie that uh, his career and he never won a Stanley Cup uh, uh, Grand Fuhrer it would it'd be a perfect example of a guy series after series. Uh, Corey Crawford, who not a, that great a goalie, but in the playoffs just kept going, grind it out, grind it out, grind it out. And, uh, he won the Stanley Cup. Jonathan Quick. I, I love how you put that. Yeah, that that's really good. I want to ask you one more. You're on in Edmonton, so I got to ask you the obligatory McDavid question. But I mean, you've you've played against some of the greats. You've you've seen all the greats for the last you know forty fifty years. I, I mean, what strikes you the most about McDavid and the season that he's having? Well, uh, it, it, it's such a hard thing to rate just because of the season. But you watch him play, and uh, I compare him to Mario Lemieux, except he skates better. Uh, and Mario probably had uh, better in-tight moves than McDavid, but McDavid skates so much better, and he's big, and he's strong, and uh, he's the complete package. And uh, you look around the league, and, and 
guys like uh, Pat Lafontaine, for instance, uh, a great player, uh, but you could push him off the puck, and you can't do that with Connor McDavid. Uh, in Vancouver, you've got Elias Pettersson, who is going to be a really good player, but he's 170 pounds, and he, he just not the complete package like Connor McDavid. And uh, to me, he ranks right up there with uh, the greats of all time. And uh, I compare him to, a, say, a Mark Messier, except better. Uh, he, he sees the ice just a little bit better than Mark Messier. Well, Oilers fans like to hear that. And uh, I, I think, you know, I think a lot of it might come down to goaltending in the Jets-Oilers series, right? I mean, can Smith keep it up? And is Hellebuck going to oh, go too. back to who he was the previous year? Oh, me too. Me too. And Hellebuck last night got a shutout against the Canucks, but it didn't have a whole lot to do and it didn't look really comfortable. There was a whole lot of rebounds that uh, the Canucks never got to. But uh, if he if he can get back to... That's not a standard that he was last year, and uh, but he's a guy again that you have to win. You have to win a series after a series after a series. The one series isn't going to do it. You can, your legacy is not going to be the same if you can't win more than one series. And I think that's the uh, the true, uh, the real great goaltenders and. Uh, the good goaltenders that I was talking about, uh, like an Eddie Belfour. Until, until Eddie Belfour got his Stanley Cup with Dallas, he was okay, he was good, but was he great? He, he just couldn't do it in the playoffs. And they had good teams where Eddie was, in Toronto and Chicago. And, and then he finally was able to do it in Dallas and, and run the table. And uh, John Sebastian Jaguer, when he was with Anaheim, same thing, oh, good goaltender, but just can't can't get it together for more than one series than he finally did. And yeah. uh, I think that's the, that's the thing with, and Mike Smith, uh, uh, I like Mike Smith a lot, but how many playoff games he, he's, how many has he played, but, uh, you know, you're in Arizona and that's where he played the most. What did he play? 16 playoff games in one year. And that's the bulk of his playoffs is that he was great for Calgary in that five game that they lost to whoever they lost to that year. I think it was Chicago. Uh, But, uh, you know, Colorado. And and Mike was really good. But he lost. And I think that's the thing is uh, uh, for him to his legacy, and he's been a great goalie over all these years uh, until he does it in the playoffs, he won't be considered in the greats. Yeah, yeah, well put. Hey, John, thanks for being so generous with your time. As you know, I always love having you on the show, and you always spin a great tale or two, so i got to look up that hockey card, see if I can get it on eBay. And Now it's just the manager. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for hopping on, man. Good broadcast the rest of the way. Okay, oh, they're so tough without the monitors and stuff. It's just, it's almost like work. I hate to say it, but it's almost like work. <laughs> almost. There we go. That's John okay. Garrett checking in. Thanks, John. That's John Garrett checking in. Former NHL goaltender, now the Cutterlanders for the Canucks games on Sportsnet. Does anybody have that hockey card? The, the John Garrett, now assistant general manager with the Vancouver Canucks, and I looked it up online. He's, it's like he's in in the warm up because he's skating, but he's got a towel around his neck and he's standing there, and it says now assistant general manager. That is a that is a good story. Fun show tonight. We're going to wrap it up when we get back.
right. The Oilers winning earlier today, 4-3 in overtime against the Montreal Canadiens. Chase on Nuge, Dreisaitl, and Cahoon, the goal scorers. The Blues lead the Wild 2-1 after one. Avalanche up 3-0 on the Kings after one. And also after the first period, Vegas leading the Sharks 2-0. The shots are 26 for the Golden Knights. Senators up 3-2 on the Maple Leafs after two. John Tavares has scored his 19th of the season. Connor Brown, his 21st of the year, came shorthanded for the Ottawa Senators. Great to have John Garrett on the show. Got a couple of texts here. I uh, got a little bit behind. Brian says, did uh, your guest, this was Ken Reed, buy his uh, garage, uh, his Gretzky card at a garage sale in Thorncliffe? Uh, I was a dumb kid and sold a Gretzky card at a toy, toy sale. <laughs> Ken Reed uh, out in Nova Scotia when he was building that collection. Rob in Capilano says, I wouldn't let anyone in my house to look at my cards, LOL, especially if I had some autographed McDavid cards. Some of them run into the five figures. I got to I gotta be honest with you. I actually don't know that much about uh, hockey cards, which might surprise you since I'm uh, into comic books and some other stuff like that. But I, I kind of moved away from, from uh, the hockey card world earlier in my life. So... I, I feel like I'm learning stuff when we do, to, I guess, sports cards in general, not just hockey cards. So, yeah, I, did, I didn't even know that some McDavid cards are uh, worth that much. Coach says, uh, shouldn't uh, Tyson Berry be in the Norris Trophy conversation? When was the last time the leading point scoring defenseman was not at least part of the conversation? Yeah, I don't think he is, uh, just because I, I think Berry's all-round game is not uh, as perceived to be as strong as some of the other candidates, whether that's fair or not. But if you look at Hedman, um, you know, Adam Fox is plus 19. He's way up there. Darnell Nurse. Like, I think Darnell Nurse would be more of a candidate than Barry. He's playing about four more minutes per game, plays more shorthanded, uh, leads defensemen in goals. Though you're right, he doesn't have as many points as Tyson Barry. Okay, get more on that Oilers game on 630chet.com or globalnews.ca. They beat the Canadians 4-3 in overtime. They're going to wrap it up Saturday afternoon against Vancouver, and then it's on to the playoffs against the Jets. Bob Stoffer has Oilers now from noon to, more, uh, noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have a full edition of Inside Sports from 6 to 8. Thanks to Dave Campbell, the producer of the show, and thanks to Kellen Kennedy, your studio producer this evening. My name's Reed. Have a great evening. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.